kei ngā manua titi, kei ngā manua kairoke, rarau mai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei, e mihi atu nei kia koutou kato. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E taruake nei. Finally free after serving five and a half years for a parole breach. I wrote 40 different letters to 40 different law companies asking for someone to help and just being told that nobody can help you. Tipani Halford shares his experience of the justice system. 21 years of pain can only make one person stronger. Then we speak to Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. I think the issue increasingly is less an access one now and more an issue of have we overcome people's questions, have we overcome issues of misinformation. And we pay tribute to the essential workers who kept Tamaki Makoto running during lockdown. Tahutimai. Last month, the Hui brought you the story of Tipani Halford, a cameraman locked up for five and a half years as a result of a parole violation, having a beer. Just days after our story aired, the parole board finally agreed to release him. Our camera was there as Tipani walked free. After more than five long years in jail as a result of a parole violation, Tipani Halford is finally a free man. Last Monday, he walked out of the grounds of the Kuhuora Corrections Facility in Wiri and into the arms of his waiting father. Oh, man, good to see you. Finally, man. After years of the parole board turning down his application for freedom, it was a day both Tipane and his father feared might never come. Welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. What's it feel like? Um, oh, just, there's a lot to sort of think about. A lot of things to do. You've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. But I just want to do all the little things first and then start making the big things happen. Those little things included a trip to the mall. Tiffany walked out of prison with just the clothes on his back. The 39-year-old has had to start his life all over again, something he has done before. In 2013, after serving 12 years for a murder he's always maintained he didn't commit, Tipene was paroled from prison and turned his life around. He became a cameraman, working in the television and film industry. But three years later, his life would take a turn for the worse after a man was assaulted by Tipene's cousin when they were leaving a bar. Someone got hurt. I tried my best not to be involved, but when he was hurt, I'd come to his aid and put him in the recovery position, pulled him off the road, put him back in the recovery position, went to go and retrieve my vehicle so we could take him to the hospital. But by the time I got back to where the situation was, the police were already there. So in my head, I sort of thought, well, they had who punched him over. They had him who started it all, and then I just went home. And you thought the best thing for you to do is just be completely transparent and honest about yeah. it. I try to be as transparent as I can with the people who hold my freedom. So that's probation, the police. So I just walk in there, accept that they're going to charge me, 
hoping to get bail the next day, but it never happened. I wasn't expecting to sort of be locked back up again. Tipene Halford was arrested and charged with wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. After spending 18 months behind bars, he was found not guilty at trial. You might think that would be the end of it, but Tipene was to spend another four years in jail, all as a result of admitting to having a beer the night of the assault. Did you know at the time that you weren't allowed to drink? Not at the time. I guess it was a miscommunication and understanding on what the ruling actually was. Tipene Halford had broken his parole conditions, the devastating consequence a further five and a half years behind bars. God, does that make you angry? Nah, I was frustrated. You're actually not allowed to get angry inside because it can just make everything crumble down real fast. So you can lose all your privileges, all your ability to see your family. And being with Fano is all Tipene wants right now. After finally getting out of jail, he made it to the home of longtime supporter and filmmaker Tanya Wheeler, who's been campaigning for his release for years. He says he's been missing vegetables in prison. That's how he's got vegetables. With her family and his father, Stephen, Tipene got to eat something he had been dreaming of behind bars roast lamb with all the trimmings. The simple act of sharing food with Fano and friends was something Tipene had longed for. And while he now wants to put prison behind him to focus on getting his camera career back on track, to go forward, Tipene will need to go back. Because you've got a new thing to do now, and that's to clear your name. Yes. Fixing the past is a, you know, it, it takes a while and it takes a lot of people who have the heart and, and the soul and the mana to do that stuff. How important is that to clear your name? Oh, it's, it's my everything. In 2002, at age 19, Tipene Halford and three others were found guilty of murdering Nicholas Clarkson at a cash machine near Queen Street in a robbery gone wrong. A key witness was given immunity from prosecution for their testimony. Tipene has always maintained his innocence. When I first got found guilty of the murder, I wrote 40 different letters all by hand to 40 different law companies asking for someone to help. Um, because my lawyer dropped me, didn't want to help me with an appeal, so I wrote to 40 different ones. Um, I got five replies. Um, four of them said, no, they can't help me and one said that he would have a look at my case and said that it's too much work. But now, the Criminal Cases Review Committee, which looks at miscarriages of justice, has undertaken a preliminary review of his case, and what it has seen has prompted an investigation. Could Tipene have been telling the truth all these years? Being found guilty of something you didn't do, Oh, 
and having a hangover for 21 years. And just being told that nobody can help you. You know, asking and asking if people can help. My mum and dad were there. And that's pretty much all I had for, for a very long time. Are you ready for this fight now? Yeah. I've, I've got enough information. I've got the two out of four. 21 years of pain can only make one person stronger. So I also look to to Fatiurungamai, you know, Farihaka. Then I've got my tupuna, Kawati. The fight was laid before me. I just got to do my part. You know, I'm hoping I could change sort of how the system is, is working and is running. Having that knowledge of our tupuna is oh, something to hold on to. Something to hold on to as Tipene begins to rebuild his life. Hey, Muri, inga fakatairanga kakoriroi, kitipirimea kia Jacinda Ardern. Arakimai Ano. As Aotearoa begins the transition into the traffic light system, I spoke to Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern. Well, tēnā koe e te Perimea. thanks for joining us today. I noted it was 12 months uh, at the moment since the government announced a resolution with Ihu Mātau. What is the resolution? So the next steps um, are for all parties to build represent a representative body that's able to take us through the decision-making over what will be the, the future land use. Um, COVID has delayed some of that work. Our hope is that early in the new year that in earnest we'll see those groups coming together to, to work on that future plan for, for the whenua. Okay, turning to COVID, 18 deaths in the latest um, outbreak. Of those, eight were Māori, so that's about 44% of the Māori representation of deaths, just 16% of the population. What does this tell you about the the, the government's plan for Māori when it comes to COVID? It certainly tells us that um, what we always feared with COVID, and, and that was that it would uh, reach into our, uh, potentially into our Māori and Pacific communities, and, and that has proven to be the case. However, um, we have two really important ways that we can continue to protect our people. One is the vaccine, and so there's been a huge focus on making sure that we are reaching everyone um, wherever they are in the country and ensuring that we're overcoming those barriers. Uh, we're now up to 83% first doses for Māori um, and obviously chasing with those second doses. But in my mind, so long as there's people who are eligible who haven't been vaccinated, we've got work to do. What are your high hopes for vaccination for Māori? Oh, do you know, I don't think I'll ever be satisfied so long as there's someone who's choose, you know, who who is eligible and hasn't been. And that's why I've said this, there's not going to be an end point to this vaccination program. Uh, once we've, obviously, we're rolling out boosters now. So we've got a, another you know, wave of people that we need to make sure that we're protecting again. So um, those who were vaccinated six months ago, we really need them to come back or we need to go to them. We have absolutely amazing rates with our comatsu, some up to about 94%, 93%. Right. But how important is it 
looking offshore now to some of those fourth waves. Um, yeah. How important is it for Kaumatua to get the booster? Oh, incredibly important. When you see those countries that are experiencing those, those fourth waves, you can see that in many cases, they either haven't started a booster campaign or they're only just starting. And it does seem to be the thing that's making a difference for those countries that are experiencing another tough time. The, the advantage New Zealand has is that we can watch them a season ahead. So they're coming into their winter and doing it tough. We've got the opportunity now in the, the safety of summer to make sure that we are reaching uh, uh, all of our, our older citizens and making sure they have their booster. It's really, really critical. It brings your immunity back up to where it was when you were first vaccinated. You haven't got a crystal ball, obviously, but you know we're looking ahead now in, in the near future to five to 11 year olds for vaccination. Maori yeah. having such a, uh, a large um, young population, what are you hearing yeah. from your Māori ministers and Māori health experts about just the, the uptake or is there any concern that we, we might have low vac vaccination in that cohort? What's most important, I think, for us is making sure as a first step people have confidence in the decision and that's why leaving it to the experts, MedSafe and then our expert advisory group to, to make the call when they are comfortable with all of the data that they have. Is it possible that we might see um, vaccination centres set up in Kura and Farikura? Kura and Farikura are wanting that. Let's let's work together on making that possible. So we haven't taken a blanket approach, but we've really we've really worked locally. And I think you'll continue to see us take that kind of approach in the future. Reflecting on the year and looking forward to 2022, what's going to be good for Māori next year? One of the things that really stands out for me is the strength of our holder um, providers uh, across the country and you know the additional uh, out of necessity um, growth that we've seen in those providers and how do we now carry that forward into the new health reforms and I'm really optimistic about the possibility here. I guess you couldn't have asked for a better pilot project that, than this forced COVID um, rollout plan so in terms yeah. of um, devolving resources into the Māori Health Authority, are you confident that you'll have the support? Yes, and look, you only need to see the, the jump in rates that we've had in vaccination since you've seen that additional support go into those providers. And as I say, these, you know, already when I'm out talking uh, with providers, they're, they're excited about what it means for, you know, cervical screening, what it means for measles and what it means for rheumatic fever and all of those issues that we know have devastating impacts on our community, but we now have the facilities and um, the people to, to really reach into to communities that we have done a poor job serving in the past. Te Reo Māori is meant to be available to every child in 2025. How are we tracking for that? So I'm really confident about um, our ability to embed within curriculum. It's making sure that we've got um, the, the workforce. And that's been something that Minister Davis in particular has been really focused on. Uh, how do we uh, not just bring through um, more teachers and uh, proficient in te reo Māori, but how do we empower our existing workforce to feel confident in the classroom to use, um, to use te reo Māori in everyday, in everyday teaching. And so the training that's been happening there has been excellent. Um, but yeah, obviously just that's an area we need to continue that focus. Uh, iwi leaders around the country are asking people in the red traffic light zones to stay home this Christmas, to not come into their rohe, um, to respect, you know, the vulnerability of their communities. So with that, I guess, you know, 
where are you going this Christmas with your fun? Actually, the point that I've continually made is, you know, we've actually created a system to protect people with movement. So the first, the first point to make is that many of the places where you do tend to see a bit of movement, like Auckland, you know, of course we know Aucklanders tend to move over the summer period. So they haven't moved for four months. And for the month that we expect they will, there's a requirement on them that they cannot do so unless they are double vaccinated or they have been tested before they depart. Um, so that's one thing we've done to make sure that that movement is, is safer. Although it would be safer if uh, someone from, from Tāmaki Makaurau did not go to Te Aroroa, to a community that's vulnerable and has a lower immunisation. Actually, if someone is vaccinated, though, you know, they do pose lower risk to other people. Uh, and so what we're doing there... But they still pose a risk. Yeah, well, of course, we know, though, that we are in an environment now where if, if we're doing, you know, everything that we can to make sure that we are vaccinating, that we're testing all our symptomatic individuals, we are still contact tracing around cases. We still see that even in Auckland, um, that actually... Uh, a large portion of our cases are still household and contacts are still linked. You know, all of that bodes really well for us to slow the spread and to continue to keep people safe. Do you hear those iwi leaders though in those remote communities? I've had um, conversation with them and with iwi leaders on this issue. And again, the, the reminder I have is actually for the highest risk area, we have put in those extra, those extra protections. Thank you for your time today. Next, we meet the essential workers doing the hard yards during lockdown. Ma pango, ma fero, ka oti ai te mahi. Before we sign off this year, we wanted to pay tribute to the people who kept Tāmaki Makoto running through lockdown. From contact tracers to hangi masters, we spoke to a range of essential workers about their experiences over the last few months and their hopes for 2022. Kia ora, my name is Daniel Manis. I'm a urban bus driver for Pavlovich Coachline and my iwi Ngapuhi Te Raroa. So I've been a bus driver for 11 months now. The best thing, if there is a best thing about working during COVID, I, th I think it's just being able to provide the service for other essential workers to help the country just carry on. The most particular thing that stood out for me, I had a passenger who, after she was finished work, she was heading to the city to help some of the homeless people and just help with blankets and food. And I thought that was just amazing. I remember 2021 is a year with a lot of highs and lows, a lot of losses with uh, extended family and I know, I know that everybody's been through the same thing and not being able to be with their loved ones. My Christmas message to Aotearoa would be to, at this time, just keep wearing your masks, get tested, get vaccinated for your whanau. Kira konari Taku Mahi Kaifakahare Clinical Services for Tefano or Waipareira. My duties have been to manage and to lead the whole COVID operation for Fana Waipareira. That's including the community testing centre and the vaccination centre 
and the mobile clinics. There's over 250 on the front line and they've all just dispersed all over the place, whether it's testing, whether it's vaccinating, whether it's the back office. The hardest thing for us is watching the Tangihana. Just around the corner we have Haven Falls and that's one of the Māori funeral homes and we see the hearses and we see everybody going through all that mamai and their grief in a different COVID way, so that's been very hard to watch. In 2022, when things start to open, we'll all be looking back at this in a time in history, and 2022 is gonna be just a bigger, better chapter, so we're really looking forward to 2022. And I know that all the Māori providers really, really reaching out to their whānau have done such an amazing job and we're trying to just continue on to protect our whakapapa and making sure that 2022 will do it the right way, our way. Kia ora, my name is Justin Herawini. I'm the store manager within this countdown supermarket and my iwi is Napui and Natikahu. My daily mahi during COVID is just ensuring that we've got enough products on shelf to service the customers and within the community. Being there for my team, just ensuring that we're following all the protocols around with COVID. It's been real hard for staff, coming in every day not knowing what's going to happen, wearing the masks in store and wearing it continuous all day. So what has been the best thing is the team having my back and having each other's back, everyone being there for each other, just trying to get along day to day. The thing I look forward to after lockdown is seeing my family and my friends just returning back to normality and not wearing these masks. My name is Teodoro Matthews. I work as a contact tracer here at Auckland Regional Public Health and my iwi is Tirarua Kaifare. So my daily duties during COVID is half the time I spend doing contact tracing and the other half of my work is spent teaching people how to contact trace. And we call people and tell them about their results, give them information on how to isolate safely and then support them during the isolation. Yeah, I think one of the hardest things is having to tell people over the phone that they're, that they're positive and trying to give them good clinical advice. It is possible and we do do it, um, but it's a hard skill to learn. I think one of the moments that really stood out for me during this outbreak was just seeing how much everyone wanted to do a good job. There was people coming out of retirement, um, new nursing students and everyone just wanting to contribute and try and help everyone out. I think my message for everyone who's wanting to travel and enjoy summer is to get vaccinated so you can really enjoy summer and everything that summer has to offer you um, and just be kind to everyone. I don't think anyone expected 2021 to turn out this way and I think the least we could do is be kind to each other going forward. Kia ora. My name is Simon Paora Chamberlain. I'm intensive care paramedic for St John and my iwi is Ngāti Whatekokowai. I love the interaction with people. It's a privilege to be able to care for someone and look after them in their moment of need. The hardest thing over the past 12 months has been the wearing of the PPE. It makes it harder because in environments where it's hot, where it's starting to come into summer, we're wearing a gown, mask, goggles, or a face shield and, and gloves. Absolutely, I'm worried about COVID. I have a family, I have two young children. The last thing I want to do is bring COVID home to them. Unlike the lockdown last year, the moments that have stood out is the workload. The workload has climbed exponentially because of COVID, because of the PPE, because of the delays at hospitals and pausing to ask the questions at the door. It makes a straightforward job a lot more difficult. The biggest concern is that COVID overwhelms the health system 
That includes the hospitals, ICUs, and by extension, the ambulance services. Uh, my message to New Zealand is to look after each other. If you're not vaccinated already, please go and get vaccinated. Just remember to wash your hands, maintain distances socially, and we'll get through this together. Kia ora ko Camille Aroha Harris, aho ko Teopodi Tokuiwi. I am a midwife in Tamaki Makoto. So during COVID, um, my mahi has been busier, obviously, um, with all the the changes that COVID brings about. Yeah, and the way that we have to navigate through the hospitals and how we care for people and the different kind of procedures that are in place. So it makes it a lot busier, for sure. I'll look back on 2021 as a challenging year, not only for ourselves as midwives and for whanau, but for us as a collective, as Māori. You know, there's a lot of different kōrero going on and a lot of different beliefs, which is a little bit saddening to have divide among our own, among just, you know, where we all sit within this crazy world of COVID and what is right and what is wrong. My hopes for 2022, you know, it's been such a weird world to navigate through and so many unknowns always coming at us and, and sure they'll probably still come, but you know, I'm hoping that a lot more normality can come back for us all, for our children, for socialising, that we can be connected again and we can navigate safely through this and that my people remain really safe for 2022 especially. Rewi Spragan, CEO of Hangi Master Maiwi Natihine Te Waiohua Te Kawarawamaki. So our daily duties during COVID have been uh, prepping Hangi for our most vulnerable members of the community, myself and my team, the whole two of us. So every day we've been cooking. We're up to 20,000 meals since lockdown started. Probably a world record, I think. We've had the privilege of meeting some lovely people, unfortunately homeless, a lot of them are struggling, but their gratitude towards what we do and what we're giving to them has been awesome and it's just kept our, our uh, morale up, it's kept our, our modi going. One of the greatest things that's happened because of COVID is the fact that uh, got this young fellow on now who is, is now seasoned hangi master and this, this young guy behind me is now going to pass this tradition on to more young guys when he becomes an old man like me. <laughs> and um, yeah, definitely a highlight keeping hangi, the tikanga of hangi alive. My Christmas message to Aotearoa is to think of others that are in harder positions than yourselves. Yep, we might have been locked down for this time, but there are people that are really, really struggling out there. Stay strong, kia kā. Ko hekana te hui mō We'll be back next year, and our team will be filing stories online over summer, so keep a lookout for them. Kia tau ngā whakamānawatanga, a te wahingaro, ki runga, ia koutou. Noho rumaira.